The message you're about to listen to is by Reverend Dr. Femi Olaleye of Oikea Christian Centre. Remain blessed as you listen. Christ in everything. Right? Is it part four? Part five? Asia is four. Then lose Gospel 24. All right, let's look at our team scriptures and swing to over 24, 27. Are we there? Then let's go to chapter number 24 and verse 27. Then we'll look into 44. Hallelujah. Is everybody ready? Are you ready? All right, it says, And beginning at the Moses, and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So when he says all the scriptures, and he says beginning at Moses and in all the prophets, it means that Jesus went from Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers and Deuteronomy expounding to them about himself, then went to the books of the major prophets and the minor prophets expounding to them the things concerning himself. And I explained that that word expound is the Greek word demenio. And what does demenio mean? It means to translate from one's native language, which means that Jesus most likely was translating between languages because the scriptures that they were used to was actually the book called um, Greek Septuagint. That means it was the Bible written in Greek. But the apostles were Hebrews. So their native tongue, all right, was Aramaic. So Jesus had to quote from the Septuagint, then translate into the Hebrew. Praise God. Now, we looked at Christ in Genesis last week. How many of you remember that? We looked at Christ in Genesis Last week, and what we looked at, that, we, we explained and looked at the beginning, Christ, the beginning. Then we actually paid attention to Christ, all right, in terms of looking at the seed, Abraham's seed, all right. We saw the following about the seed. We saw that the seed reproduces after its kind. We saw that there are two seeds of generation on the earth at any given time, all right. We saw that the seed, is an, um, the seed has an everlasting covenant with God, all right. That's Abraham's seed. We saw that the seed of Abraham is Christ. We saw that the seed of Abraham is the firstborn. And we saw that the seed of Abraham has the blessing. We also saw that only the seed has the blessings. So all nations shall receive the blessing in the seed. All right. Um, the seed there refers to Christ. We explained that um, the firstborn and the principle of the firstborn, all right, um, the right of the firstborn belongs to the seed. Jesus Christ is the firstborn from spiritual death. And we saw that the reason why Jesus has the authority and the inheritance of the Father is because he is the firstborn. He is the firstborn or the first to be born out of spiritual death, Colossians chapter 1 verse 18. So all authority in the Father's house has been given to him. That is all authority of God the Father has been given to Christ because he is the firstborn. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 9, all right, to 10. But we saw a pattern in Genesis how that, Abraham had two sons, Ishmael and Isaac, but the right of the firstborn was given to Isaac. Then Isaac had two sons, Esau and Jacob, but the right of the firstborn was given to Jacob. 
right? With Ishmael and Isaac, Isaac was not the firstborn naturally. Ishmael was born first, praise God. But the firstborn, or the right of the firstborn was given to who? Was given to Isaac. Then with Jacob and Esau, the same thing, all right? Esau was born first, Jacob was born after. The right of the firstborn was given to what? To Jacob. Then we see the same thing in the king of Israel, in that the first king of Israel was Saul, praise God. But the person who had an everlasting kingdom was who? Was David. The first was rejected and replaced with the second. Then we also see that we have the law of Moses given to Israel, all right, first, all right, then later it is what? The law of the new covenant that is given. So we always find, then we have, I gave you the example of who again? Cain and Abel. Cain was first, Abel was second. Cain was rejected, Abel was chosen. So we see an order in that God is showing us that the first to appear on the scene is not the substance. The first to appear of the, on the scene is a figure, a typology. Just like Adam was first, but not the Christ. So also we begin to find that the Lord, though we see it first and emphatically mentioned in all of the relationship with Israel, we find that the law was not God's plan. So we see that typology, we saw that typology in Genesis. Now we are moving to Christ in Exodus. Christ in Exodus. Okay? So we have before established that Moses refers to the first five books of the Bible. The second book called Exodus is what we will be examining today. The book of Exodus speaks about the following. All right? There are seven things I want us to highlight that the book of Exodus speaks to. Number one, it speaks to a mediator. Moses is the mediator. All right? That it speaks to in Exodus. Number two, all right? The next thing we see in the book of Exodus is that it, spoke, it speaks about the law of Moses. The law of Moses. First is a mediator. The second is the law of Moses. Then the third thing we see is that it speaks to three great feasts. Three great feasts. So that means the ceremonies, the ceremonial feasts. Three great feasts. Then number four, the Exodus speaks to, it speaks about the redemption of the nation of Israel from Egypt. The redemption of the nation of Israel from Egypt. Number five, it speaks about the tabernacle of Moses. Okay? Tabernacle of Moses. Number six, it speaks about the offerings. The offerings and the provisions of God. The offerings, sin offering, trespass offerings, bond offering, the provisions of God, manna, quail. Okay? And the seventh thing we find in the book of Exodus is that it shows us the Ten Commandments. Now, during this series, because I will have to continue this next month because we are not done, all right? Because we have to look at Christ in the Leviticus and all of that, all right? We are going to look at these seven things the book of Exodus speaks to. But I want us to start with, you know, in this series, is that I want us to look at certain practices or things and concepts that were mentioned in Genesis, but were made a law in Exodus. Practices and concepts that were mentioned in Genesis, but they were made a law in Exodus. Okay, that will fall under the feasts and you know um, things that appear in Genesis in gem form. But we now find them taking more of a more of, of, of a better permanence. All right, in Exodus. So we start with Sabbath. Sabbath. 
So we see certain practices or things mentioned in Genesis, but were made laws in Exodus. Now let us look at the first mention of the word Sabbath, Genesis chapter number 2. Genesis chapter number 2 and from verse 1 to 3. Genesis chapter number 2 and from verse 1 to 3. He says, Please don't touch anything. Just leave it alone. He said, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. Next verse, what does he say? He says what? And on the seventh day, God ended what? His work, which he had what? Made. And he rested on the seventh day, from what? All his work which he had made. So he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. Now look at the next verse. Next verse now says, And God blessed the what? The seventh day. And he what? Sanctified it. Because that in it he had rested from all his work which God created and made. Now, there's something I want you to see. Now remember, midweek service is advanced class. Sunday service, I can be selling, giving you milk, because you, you are not, you're not, you need milk now. You know you need milk too, uh, to wash things down. Glory to God. Uh-huh. Now let me show you something. It says God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it. Hmm? Now let's go back to Genesis 126. I want to show you something. Now, when the Bible says, God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. And let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air. Now, remember what we said severally, that when God says, let, God, let us make man in our image and after our likeness, what he was talking about was, let us make man after who? After what? After Christ. So, Christ is actually the one being spoken about, giving the dominion in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. How do we know? If we turn to Hebrews chapter 2. Okay, let us read Genesis. I said, I quoted it. And God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Now, remember I taught you in some series that when you see all this, when you see dominion, fish of the sea, fowl of the air, cattle, that most of the time when you see those things, they are prophetic language and is usually used to refer to evil spirits, demonic spirits. Remember I taught you that? How many of you remember that? Luke 10, 19. Behold, I give unto you authority to trample on what? Serpents and what? Scorpions and over all the what? Ability of the enemy. So usually dominion, if you look at it in scripture or authority, it is usually over spirits, demonic spirits. That, that, that's actually what it is. So we find that in prophetic language, animals are used as metaphors to refer to what? To spirits. Are you following? Are you following? All right, good. So, he now says, and over uh, cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Now, from this picture, he's saying that God said, let's make man and give dominion to him. Are you seeing that? That's what he says. But if you turn to Hebrews chapter 2, look at Hebrews chapter 2 from verse 6. Hebrews 2, 6 tells us that Adam did not have the dominion. That we, 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 we don't see dominion with Adam. He says, but one in a certain place testifies, saying, what is man that thou art mindful of him? Or the son of man, that thou what? Visits him. Next verse. Thou art made him a little lower than what? The angels. Thou crownest him with glory and honor. And this set him over the what? Works of thy hand. So that means he's saying, oh, the psalmist is saying, God gave man dominion. Is that correct? Come on, is that correct? Now, look at the next verse he now says in 8. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. 
For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. Look at it now. Look at the next thing. It says, it says, but now, no, go back. Who's that? But now we see not yet what? All things put. So that means he's saying, but we see in scripture that all things is put under him, under man. But when we look at man, we don't see all things under him. Are you seeing that? He now says, next verse in verse 9, but we see who? Jesus. Who was made a little what? Lower than the angels. For the suffering of death, crowned with what? Glory and honor, that by the grace of God should taste death for what? Every man. So what is he telling you? He's telling you that that picture of man with dominion was not referring to Adam. It was referring to who? Jesus. Are you following? Are you following? So Jesus is the one who was made a little lower than angels for a moment. Hallelujah. Who has now been crowned with what? Glory and what? Honor that by the grace of God he should taste it for every man. Is this clear so far? Now, it was in the sixth day that God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. It therefore means that if the man being referred to in the sixth day. I mean, first of all, let me first take and let us clarify that the six days of Genesis, you know, they are not six 24 hour days. Eh? Uh huh. Because day in prophetic language is not 24 hours. He's talking about, he's just giving you an order. It's, God is talking because, because if we say it's 24 hours, then that would mean that. The Sabbath day, God was referring to when he says, and God rested on the Sabbath. It will mean that the Sabbath day has ended. Are you following? Are you following? Whereas the Sabbath day is talking about, the Sabbath day is a message. The Sabbath day is a doctrine. The Sabbath day is a teaching that God is resting, having completed all things. So because God is resting, having completed all things, we should rest in what God has completed. Are you following? Now, let me get this to Pay attention. The sixth day, glory to God, God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. Now, that man he was talking about was who? Was Christ Jesus. Which means, that sixth day you have in Genesis 1.26 is actually incarnation. Oh, glory to God. And the word became what? Flesh. And dwelt what? Amongst us. And we beheld him. As, the, uh, uh, as one of the, um, the only begotten of the Father, full of what? Grace and truth. So that means the image of God, God said, let us make, glory to God, is fulfilled in John chapter 1 verse 14, where he says, all right, and the word became what? Flesh. The word became flesh. That word that became flesh is the image of God. So the sixth day is the day of man. The sixth day is the day of Christ. What happened in the sixth day? Christ came and he came to do what? To walk. Hallelujah. He came to what? To walk. Hold on. Turn your Bibles. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm not turning the Bible upside down. It's, it's just small revelation. Amen. <laughs> Look at Hebrews. Notice. Have you followed so far? Have you followed the story so far? Have you followed the story so far? So the sixth day of God's agenda 
Who is the woman who says, let us make money in our image after our He's talking about Christ, right? He's talking about Christ, right? Now, so Christ, all right, is what he's talking about. That. So when he says, let us make man, all right, the actual making of man, the Christ, how did it happen? It's not through the incarnation. That means the word became what? Flesh. Now look at what um, Jesus says here. Right now, he says in verse 4, Hebrews 10, he says, For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into what? The world. He said, Sacrifice and offering that wouldest not. But a what? Talk to me. But a what? But a body thou hast what? Prepared me. In burnt offering and sacrifices for sin, thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book. All right, it is written of me to what? To do what? To do thy will, O God. Pay attention. He now says, Above, when he says sacrifice and offering and burnt offering and offering for sin, thou wouldest not, neither hast pleasure therein, all right, which are offered by the Lord. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may what? Establish the second. So that Lo, I come incarnation. A body that was prepared me is what? Incarnation. Are you following? Are you following? So the sixth day represents that incarnation of Christ, the image of God coming into the atrium, hallelujah, and God walking. Glory to God. Because notice, he says, let us make man in our image, incarnation. Next thing, he says, and let him go back to Genesis 1.26, pay attention. Genesis 1.26, he says what? Because the seventh day is after the sixth day. So it means that in the sixth day, God is walking. Right? God is working in the sixth day. Is that correct? So like we are examining the work he did. He says, and God said, let us make man in our image. That's number one. After our likeness. Okay, same thing. And that says, and let them have what? Dominion. So, there is the first part, the incarnation. Then the second part is the what? Dominion. Praise God. When did Jesus get dominion? Praise God. After he rose from the dead, praise the Lord. After he defeated sin, the death, and hell, all authority in heaven and on earth was what? Given to who? To him. Hallelujah. So he got the dominion after completing the assignment. Praise God. So, all right, the incarnation happened. Then he did all the work. What did he do? He died for our sins. After he died for our sins, according to, plan, according to the plan of God and according to the will of God, all authority in heaven and the earth was given to him. Jesus sat on the right hand of God. The work was finished. Hallelujah. So now that the work has finished, what is the next day after work is finished? What is the what's day after work is finished? Rest. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I said, praise the Lord. Rest. So, the seventh day is the day that signifies that all that concerns God's plan for man in Christ has been done. It's complete. Done. Look at Hebrews chapter 2. Verse 1. Pay attention now. 
So remember the six days where they have work, right? It's six, six days they have work. So notice one day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, we don't see man. I remember I told you before that Genesis 1 is about who? It's about who? It's about Jesus. He's the light in Genesis. Praise God. The one says, and God said, let there be light. And there was it, it, that light is Genesis. I've proven that for me from scripture, right? Praise God. Then everything after the light we see is creation, creation, creation. Summation. All things were made by what? Him. And without him was not anything made that was what? Made. Then 126 now talks about this light. This one that created everything now becoming flesh. Praise God. Doing the works of the Father. Hallelujah. All dominion and authority is now handed over to him in the flesh. Praise God. Then rest. So the story of the gospel is that there was chaos on the earth. There was darkness in the hearts of men. Glory to God. God released who? Light. Christ. To shine in the hearts of men so that darkness is no longer on the earth. That light that God released is the creating force that made all things to be. And that light that made all things to be became flesh, did the works of God, completed the works, and ushered in what? The seventh day. Rest. Praise the Lord. Is it clear? That is Genesis 1. That's the message. Hallelujah. Now let's continue. Where does it say she open? Hebrews 2 1. Now it says, Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them sleep. Next verse, what does it say? For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward. Next verse, it now says, How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord? Huh? And was conferred unto us by them that heard. That him is not there. Next verse. God also bearing them witness both with signs and wonders and with diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. Now verse 5. For unto the angels had he not put in subjection the world to come. Wherefore we speak. You see this? Next verse. But one in certain place. Praise God. Continue. He says. For one in certain place. Uh-huh. Okay, we've read this, right? We've read this. So let's go to Hebrews 10, sorry, and verse 5. I want us to go to rest. Hebrews 10 and verse 5. Now look what it says. It says, Wherefore, when he cometh into what he says, sacrifice and offering, thou wouldest not, okay? All right. It now says, um, sacrifice and offering, thou wouldest not, but a body thou hast prepared me. Next verse. It now says what? Yes. Uh-huh. It is written on me to do thy will, O God. So God, Jesus Christ comes and does the will of God. Now, if you go to Hebrews chapter 4, we are going to read from verse 1 to about 10. There you now see the writer of Hebrews now telling us that Joshua, though he promised rest to the children of Israel, couldn't have been, that, that means that them entering into Canaan could not have been the actual rest. 
Why? Because in the Psalms, God begins to speak about another rest. Praise God. Now go to Hebrews 4. He says, let us therefore fear, lest a promise being less left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to what? Come short of it. Are you seeing this? Uh-huh. Next verse. It now says, for unto us. Okay, now listen. Remember, he is speaking metaphorically because he is talking about the children of Israel that over the children of Israel in the, in the scriptures, they were promised rest and Canaan was that rest. Are you seeing this? Canaan was that rest. Canaan was already in existence, but they were joining into rest. But many of them did not enter into rest because of what? Unbelief. Now look how he says now. He says, for unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with what? Faith in them that heard it. Next verse. And now says, for we which have believed, do what? Enter into rest. As he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were what? From the what? What is he saying? Because when he says, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world, he's talking scripturally. The foundation of the world here, scripturally, is referring to the book of beginnings. That is Genesis. Hallelujah. So when he says the works were finished on the foundation of the world, he's referring to Genesis 1, where he says, and God rested from all the works you understand that he has done. That's what he's talking about. But he's saying that men have to enter into rest. He says, alright, as I have sworn, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. Look at now verse 4. Everybody read. He says, for he spake in a certain place on the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest, all right, the seventh day from what? All his works. Next verse, verse 5. And in this place again, if they shall what? Enter into my rest. Next verse, verse 6. And now says, Since therefore it remained that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. So what this is now beginning to tell us is that there is a rest of God that men enter in when they believe the gospel. Glory to God. There is a rest of God that men enter into when they believe the gospel. Rest from what? Glory to God. You will see it. Next verse. It says here, verse 7. Again, he limited a certain day, saying in David, today, after so long a time, as it is said, today, if you hear his voice, had it not your heart. Next verse, it, it says, for if Jesus, this is actually Joshua. Joshua and Jesus mean the same in Hebrew. Okay? Alright? So, if Joshua had given them rest, then would he not afterward have spoken of another day? Hallelujah. Alright? Verse 9. It now says, next, verse 9. Please, can we just keep it flowing? There remained therefore a rest to the people of God. Uh-huh. For he that is entered into what? His rest, he also assists from his own works, as God did from his. So after the sixth day, God rested. What it means is that when men enter into that rest of God, they cease from their own works, all right, of righteousness, 
all right, for the purpose of receiving eternal life. Because the works he's talking about here is talking about works to receive, works to enter. But he's saying, if you have already entered, you don't need to walk again to enter where you have already entered. Are you paying attention? Are you paying attention? So God made a rest. He now says to enter in, only believe. Only faith is necessary. So faith in the gospel brings you in to the rest of God in Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But he now says some did not enter because they did not believe. Glory to God. Some did not enter because they did not believe. So Sabbath speaks about the rest of God. All right. That's what it means. All right, it means the rest of God. That's what it means. The sixth day speaks about God's work through the incarnate man to bring that rest to pass. And when that rest has come, all man needs to do, or all men need to do to enter into that rest is to believe in Christ Jesus. Christ is our access into the seventh day. Christ is our access into the Sabbath day. Hallelujah. So we have seen Sabbath day in Genesis. But we now find that in Exodus, the Sabbath was now made a law. It was made a what? A law. Now, we will now examine why that was. It was made a law. If you look at Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20 and from verse 7 to 11. Exodus chapter 20. And verse 7 to 11. It says, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Next verse. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it what? Holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not what? So you, he saying, on the Sabbath day do nothing. Praise God. Do you know why? Because, metaphorically, the seventh day is the day of rest. So God, by the Lord, is saying, the moment you enter seventh day, nobody must do anything. Are you following? Nobody must do what? Anything. Everybody must rest on what I have done. So, he was using the law to point to something. Hallelujah. He was using the law to point something. So he said, on Sabbath, man does not walk because I have already worked for him. Man must not labor because I have already labored for him. I labored six days for man so that on the seventh day, man can come in and rest. That is in the context of salvation. The work for our salvation was done by God in Christ. On the seventh day, praise God, we are to what? Rest in what he has done. Now, anybody that walked on the seventh day was killed under the law of Moses. Why? Because the man that walks on the seventh day is saying, I do not have faith in the provision of God. So, John 3.16, what does he say? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son rest. That whosoever believe in him should not what perish, but have what everlasting life. So that means the person that does not believe in him or does not accept his rest, what is going to abide in him? Death. 
So the law was a shadow to show us the man who walks on the Sabbath day is an unbeliever. And the unbeliever has, does not have eternal life abiding in him. Amen. So, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work. Thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy man servant, nor thy maid servant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. Next verse. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and what? Hallowed it. So it's the Sabbath day is not a day. It's a person. Hallelujah. It's Christ and what he has done. The Sabbath day is the finished work of Christ. In which all men are to receive what God has done and are not to try to labor, all right, for what he has already given man for free. Are you with me so far? Amen. Amen. Now, also, you will see that in the book of Exodus chapter number 12, verse 15, where you have the Passover, you're going to find that, I think we will, I, I don't know whether we, we, maybe we look at the Passover a bit, I think so, I think this is the part where we look at Passover. When we look at the Passover in Exodus chapter number 12, right? Exodus chapter number 12 and verse 15. Listen. In the Passover, I'll just give you a brief summary of how this Passover, what the Passover is. In Exodus 12, just before the children of Israel leave the land of bondage or Egypt, God tells them that they should have something called the Passover. Now, I think I should explain something. There is the feasts of unleavened bread. The Passover is what precedes the feasts of unleavened bread. Are you listening to me? So, when you are looking at the, the three great feasts of the Hebrews in the Bible, in the Old Testament, you see the feasts of unleavened bread, the feasts of tabernacles, and the feasts of harvest, otherwise called the feast of Pentecost. Those are the three feasts. But when you see the feast of unleavened bread, the Passover is the first thing they do, all right, for the feast of unleavened bread. Now, what is Passover? The Passover is actually the lamb. That's what they call the lamb. Praise God. Because in Hebrew, the word Passover is the Hebrew word Pesach. P-E-S-A-C-H. P-E-S-A-C-H. That is talking about the lamb that is killed. So, Passover is the lamb. Hallelujah. The lamb that was killed. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse um, 7, Jesus Christ is now called our Passover lamb. From there, 1 Corinthians 5. Let's look at it. First Corinthians 5, 7. Because the Passover is the lamb. And that word, Passover, in 1 Corinthians 5, 7, is Pascha. Look, I said, put out therefore the old living, that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unliving. For even Christ, our what? Is sacrificed for us. So, Christ, so, the Passover is a person, is that correct? Yeah. So, in the Old Testament, 
Exodus 12, the Passover is a lamb. The Passover is not the ceremony. Okay? The Passover is not the what? Or the feast. No. The feast is feast of unliving bread. The Passover is the lamb itself. Amen? The Passover is the lamb itself. So, <clears throat> what happens is this. On the first month, the Passover is what starts the month. So, in the Jewish calendar, the Passover is what happens the first month like this. Our January, so to speak. So, the first month is begun by the Passover. But, what happens is this. On the tenth day of the first month, in the Jewish New Year, the, the, the instruction is that they were supposed to take a lamb. Let's, look, let's read it. Exodus 12. So you see. Exodus 12. And verse 1. Let's start from there. It says, And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, Next verse. Quickly move, move, move. Aha. Uh -huh. This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Amen. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month, they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers. A lamb for an house. Next verse. And if the house will be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your count for the Lord, for the lamb. He says, Your lamb shall be without what? Blemish. So it's spotless. Alright? And why is it spotless? Because metaphorically it's referring to the lamb of god the spotless lamb of god that takes away the sins of the world he says a male of the first year showing you that the lamb of god is a man amen praise god all right he will be a man all right of the first year he shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats the very fact that they took the sheep out from sheep means that the lamb of god is going to be taken out from what from men amen so that means he will be with men that will take him out from men. Hallelujah. Uh -huh. Is it out from the sheep or from the goat? So that means for the sheep to be sacrificed, it must be a sheep. Amen. So for Christ to be sacrificed for men, he has to be what? A man. Are you seeing that representation? So for him to die for us, he has to first be one of us. Glory to God. Alright. He says, you are taking that from the sheep or from the goats. Next verse. He says, what? Six. And you shall keep it up unto the 14th day of the same month. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. Hold on. Let me show you something. Something that is really, really nice. Jesus Christ came into Jerusalem. Have you remember that time where they were putting palm front on the floor for Jesus Christ? Alright. Alright. I'm going to show you. The day Jesus entered in triumphantly into Jerusalem, eh? that was the 10th day of the month. Praise God. All right. 10th day. You get. Picked him up. So he was among them. So when they took that, the sheep, the sheep would be playing around in the house, you understand? They'll be having this thing. But on the 14th day, four days after, they'll kill it. Then they take the blood and apply it on the lintel of the house. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So Jesus comes in on the 10th day 
he was crucified four days later after he entered Jerusalem. On the exact day when they killed the Passover. So as they were killing the Passover in the temple, in Solomon's temple in Jerusalem, Jesus was dying on the cross. Are you paying attention? And on that day when they killed the Passover, they offered the offering sacrifice twice. In the morning watch and in the evening watch. So they did 9 o'clock and in the evening, they offered it by 3 p.m. So Jesus hung on the cross from morning 9 to what? To 3. 6 hours. So as they were killing the 3 o'clock one, Jesus Christ was crying, uh, into thy hands I commit my spirit and he gives up the ghost. Showing that he is both the morning sacrifice and the what? The evening sacrifice. Perfect. By one offering, he perfected. So he's a perfect offering. Why under the Lord they had to kill two lambs? He's one is enough. Are you following? One is enough. Okay? He said, and he shall keep it up until the 14th day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. Another thing that is very important to say about Passover lamb was that the children of Israel had to be the one to kill it. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. So, who are the ones that gave up Jesus to die? Children of Israel. But you see that the, the, the switch about it is, and the beauty about it is that, and only in the Passover, it was the children of Israel that gave up the lamb. But if you look at the death of Jesus and the offering of Jesus, two races were involved. The Jews and the Gentiles. So, the Romans were present in that Pontius Pilate and all and the soldiers. In fact, the soldiers were the ones that put him on the cross. Is that correct? They hung him there, but it was the Jews that gave him up. So, you see, in the death of Jesus, the Jews were involved. The Gentiles were involved because... In the Passover offering, the people that we benefit were the ones that killed the lamb. For it was those who the lamb was dying for that we put him up to die. So, in the death of Jesus, the Gentiles were there. In the death of Jesus, the Jews were there. And they put him on the cross and he died on the cross. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So, the Jews and the Gentiles that put him on the cross and put him and put him on the cross to die, praise God, were the ones he rose for and he has offered eternal life to. See the wisdom and the glory of God. The people that killed him are the ones he rose up to offer eternal life to. So, there is no retribution in God. Hallelujah. Because in his omnipotence, and in his foreknowledge, whatever evil you do to God, God will find a way to use it to bring life to you. <laughs> so that's why I said, if they curse you, bless. That's how God does it. Bless them that persecute you. Do good to them. Because that's how God does this. We did evil to him. What did he do back to us? Good. Glory to God. The more we are wicked towards God's plan, it now goes, it now becomes extra good to you. Some people think that when they sin and they fail or something bad happens, that is God punishing them. It's not God though. What God does is he will be so good to you that you become ashamed that you are responding to his goodness with your sin. So the goodness of God is what leads to repentance, not the wickedness of God. Praise the Lord. I said, praise the Lord. 
said, no, no, not that the, no, you not that the goodness of God bringeth thee to repentance. Hallelujah. I said, Hallelujah. I said, Hallelujah. So, where, where were we reading? Where were we reading? Exodus 12. Now, let's continue. I want to continue that. It says, And they shall take up the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door posts of the houses, wherein they shall eat. So, it says where they live. The blood is applied where they live. The blood is applied in the residence of the people that killed the lamb. It's not applied in the temple. It is applied where? In their residence. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's not applied in the temple. It is applied in their residence. Alright? Alright, let's continue. It says, wherein they shall eat. And next verse, it says, and they shall eat the flesh in that night. Roast with what? Fire. And on living bread and with bitter herbs, they shall what? Eat it. Now, why does it say roast in fire? Roast in fire. Fire in scripture is a picture of judgment. Are you seeing that? So when he's talking about the body of the lamb, roast is fire with fire, is what? Speaking of the body of Jesus, carrying the judgment for our sins. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2. And verse 22 to 24. 1 Peter chapter 2, 22 to 24. He said, who did no sin, neither was guy found in his mouth. Hold on. Who did no sin, neither was guy found in his mouth. That is what? A lamb without spot or blemish. Is that correct? No sin, no guy. So that is talking about spotless lamb. That is the picture. All right? Who did no sin, neither was guy found in his mouth. Next verse, he now says what? Who, when he was revived, revived not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judged righteously. Next verse. It now says, Who his own self, pay attention, bear our sins in, in his own what? Body on the tree. So, where did he bear our sins? Where? Talk to me. Where did he bear our sins? On his body. What part of the lamb took the fire? The body. Are you seeing this? The body. Praise God. Now go back to um, Exodus 12. The body of the lamb. And so they roasted the lamb with fire. Then after they roasted the lamb with fire, what happens? They ate that lamb. So listen. Everybody listen though. Pay attention. I want to show you. Go back there. Exodus 12. Where we were. It says, And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire. And living bread and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Next verse, he now says what? Eat not of it what? Raw. So that means, don't eat it without fire burning it. I will tell you the signals of it. Okay? Because the lamb is talking about Christ. So we are talking about doctrine now. So he's saying, don't eat that lamb without fire consuming it. Don't eat it raw. Amen? Don't eat it what? Raw. Now, in a earlier teaching and in my book Illumina, I have explained that when the Bible talks about eating, what is he talking about? Believing. Praise God. He's talking about what? Believing. So when he's telling you here that the, 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 those who killed the Passover were to eat the Passover, amen, and they were to eat the Passover after roasting the body, the body of the lamb, 
the roasted body of the lamb is actually talking about a doctrine of Christ crucified. The sufferings of Christ. Hallelujah. And the glory that should what? That should follow. So he's saying that do not, what it means in New Testament language is, do not eat, believe on a Christ that did not suffer. Do not accept a message or a teaching of a Christ that is a good man. It's a Christ that is a prophet. That is a Christ that was a philanthropist, but not a Christ that died for sin. Because not believing in Christ that died, that the judgment came upon his body for sin, not believing on that Christ will not give you salvation. Not believing on that Christ will not give you protection from the angel of death that is roving the city. Remember, they ate of that roasted lamb, then they applied the blood on the lintels. Then the Bible says, when I see the blood, I will what? Pass over you. So that means the angel of death will not come to your house if you believe in what? In Christ and him what? Crucified. Because the man who believes in Christ and in crucified, the blood has been applied on his heart. The blood has been applied. In, no, in the Old Testament, they applied the blood in the temple, in the, in the lintels. But in the New Testament, the blood is actually applied where? In our hearts. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14, it says, how, it said, um, talks about <coughs> how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit, offered himself without spot to God, Purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. So that means what was purged and what was cleansed was our hearts. The blood was what? Applied on our hearts. And that uncircumcised man was taken out and a new man took all right, his place. Praise the Lord. I said praise the Lord. Now, in Hebrews 12, we find something. Go back there. They were to eat. Listen. They were to eat the lamb. They were to eat every part of the lamb. Amen. And ensure that no part of the lamb remained uneaten. <laughs> glory to God. I said glory to God. What's that talking about? It means that is a it means that Christ is not just dying for man. Christ, once a man believes in him, where does Christ take up residence in? He takes up residence where? Inside the man. Such that no part of Christ is outside that man anymore. That man becomes what? A carrier or a residence of Christ Jesus. Are you with me so far? Are you with me so far? Because of time, let us proceed. Oh, ha, ha, ha. Amen. 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 Okay. So we see that the Sabbath was instituted or made a law in Exodus. Now, what was the purpose of the law? Write this down. Number one. The law was our schoolmaster. To bring us to Christ. So the reason why, for example, Sabbath was made a law 
in Exodus was for the purpose of bringing us to what? To bring us to Christ. Galatians chapter number 3. Galatians chapter number 3 and verse 24. Wherefore, the law was our what? Schoolmaster to bring us unto what? Unto Christ. So that means the purpose of the law of Moses, when you read it, what it should do is that it should bring you to one destination and one destination alone. That destination is who? Is Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Because what the law was, was that the law was a shadow. It was not a substance. So, it's like, uh, hallelujah. Um, how many of you have played puzzles before? No puzzles, right? You know when you bring, you say, oh, they bring you, give you some parts of different things. They did now tell you, put it together. So you say, okay, you put this one here, you put this one here, you put this one here. Then by the time you put it, you check. I think I was watching Good Nail Ultimate, Ultimate Search. My wife likes it. So, first watch it. <laughs> Praise God. So, we're watching one and they were putting something together. Then they now said, oh, you put it, then you have a hole. So, the different, different instructions and different feasts and all of those things, they are the puzzles in the Old Testament. That when you put it together, the full message is who? Is Christ Jesus. Praise God. So, first purpose we find for the law is that it was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. The law of the first fruits was for the Jew to do first fruits over and over and over and over again. So that when Christ comes, they will not be able to say, oh, the free first fruit is who? It's not the agricultural produce. It's a person. Amen? It's a what? It's a person. It's a person. Then the high priest, Aaron, Aaron did all this stuff. And so the Jews' consciousness was on the high priest, high priest, high priest. So that when Christ comes, they will now say, oh, Aaron was just the figure or typology. The real high priest is who? Is Jesus. So the law served as an example of the real thing. It was not the real thing. Amen? The law served as an example of the real thing. It was not the real thing. Look at Colossians chapter 2. And verse 15. Are you learning something? Colossians chapter 2 and verse 15. He said, And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphant over them in it. Next verse, verse uh, 16 says, Well, let no man, listen, let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink, or in respect of an holy day, or of the new moon. Or of the Sabbath. These are feasts and festivals under the law. Praise God. They let no man judge you in meat. You know what the meat was? Do you know what the meat was? Passover. Do you know what the drink was? Passover. 
you know, I, I, I was telling someone about, you know, about Holy Communion. You know this Holy Communion stuff? <laughs> Praise the Lord. So, they talk about Matthew 26, where the Bible says, The Lord Jesus, on the night where he was repeated, he took bread. Do you know the bread he took? It's not a gege bread, though. The bread he took was unliving bread. Because Jesus was celebrating the feasts of unliving bread. The Passover. That was what Jesus was celebrating. Notice something powerful. Oh, praise God. Notice something powerful. That when they were talking about Passover in Matthew 26, when he says on the day of, the, day of the feast, you know, Jesus took bread and he took the cup. You notice something powerful. They don't mention meat. They don't mention them eating any meat. They only talk about bread. And they talk about what? Wine. Why? Because the meat was the one sitting in front of them. He was soon going to be offered on the cross. Hallelujah. Praise God. He was the lamb. So, when he takes the bread, the Bible says he broke it and shared. He said, this is my what? Body. He gives them the wine and says what? This is my what? So he's saying that the bread and the wine is talking about me. Praise the Lord. It's talking about me. So when he now says, as often as you beat this bread and you what? Drink this cup. You do show the what? The Lord's what? Talk to me, church. You should show the what? The Lord's death till he what? He come. Who was drinking the wine and eating the bread? It's not the Jew. Is it not the Jew? They've been eating it for 2,500 years. So he was telling them that as often as you break the unliving bread, hallelujah, and you drink the cup, hallelujah, you are proclaiming that the Messiah is coming. And when he comes, he is going to die. His body will be broken for us. And his blood will be shed for us. And when his body is broken and his blood is shed, our sins will be forgiven. So that was why the Passover was instituted as a feast forever. They were to do it and do it and do it until who comes? Christ. So when Christ comes, he's the fulfillment. After he comes, there's no need. Is it wrong for us to do only communion? There is nothing wrong eating bread and wine. Amen? But we all know we are not doing it right. Because if you are supposed to do it right, the bread is supposed to be what? Unliving bread. Not that small nasco. You know that small stuff that they are saying like that? No. That's not living bread though. Let's not deceive ourselves. Because that one has living. Then when you go and make a gege bread and slice bread, there's living inside. Living in scripture speaks about sin. So unliving bread is bread without sin. So it's talking about the body of Jesus, that this is sinless. It's just like you have lamb without spot or blemish. Do you understand? So that's what unliving bread means. Amen. There's nothing wrong with you. But you have to do Then again, you're going to drink the wine. You're going to drink the wine. Because I want to drink. 
Don't say snow, you want five alive. Liar. Amen. But you see, what we find that the early church practice was actually called the Lord's Supper. Was what? The Lord's Supper. It's different from Passover. I think maybe I'll do that next because the Bible tells us that it was after they ate that the Lord took bread. So they ate first. Amen. Then you find that in Acts of Apostles, the Bible talks about the, the, the disciples met to break bread. Right? That breaking bread was what they did because the disciples normally ate together. They ate a lot together. That eating together was a signification of oneness. Oneness. So as much as we eat together, we are showing that in Christ Jesus we are what? We are one. Hallelujah. We are one. And that's what I found out. As a pastor, I have found that thing, this thing. If you want to bring your church together, eat together. I know we always shall pray together. But I found out, eat together. Don't give food and people go, mm -mm, everybody eats together. Well, I know it. Mm. Oh, wow. Ah, yes, so that's how it was. <laughs> yes, eh, what happened? Before I know it, service that finished 10:30. People will still be here 2 a.m. Um, 2 p.m. Because as we eat together, we are demonstrating our oneness. Praise the Lord. I said, praise the Lord. All right, let's continue. Are you are you there? Now, I have not, I've not said anything again. Only communion, no, you can eat only on communion, no. Amen. But I've seen some people say something. See, I respect I, I some men of God that talk about eating, um, taking only communion and healing happening and stuff like that. That they take the, the bread, all right? This is the body of Jesus. When I partake of it for my healing, I receive healing. I drink his blood, his blood, blood shed for me. I receive him. His body was broken from him for me so that my body will not be broken. Let me tell you what that does. All that does is that it releases your faith. Amen. It releases your faith, all right, to take a hold of what God has, Christ has made available. So it's fine. It's no problem. If you eat it, it doesn't affect you. If you drink, you take five alive and call it the blood, and you drink it, it doesn't affect It's okay. We don't need to, to split airs on that. But you need to understand the right thing. Praise the Lord. I said, praise the Lord. So the man that has believed on the blood on Jesus is the one that has eaten of the what? The body broken. The man that drinks, that believes in the, in the Lord Jesus is the one that has taken part of the cup. Hallelujah. Because all those things were pointing to the substance. Look at Colossians chapter 2 that we're in. We're in 16. Let's go back to 16. It says, let no man therefore judge you in meat or drink. That is Passover meat, uh, holy communal drink, or in respect of an holy day. Holy day means there were the three feasts, amen, of the Jews, or of the new moon of the Sabbath days. Look at the next verse. It now says, verse 17, which are what? Which are what? A shadow of things to come, but the what? Bodies of Christ. So what is he saying? Amen. If a man stands in a place, can you see my shadow? Can you see my shadow? See that? See, my shadow is behind me. You see that? My shadow is behind me. My body is casting a shadow. 
He's saying the law is the shadow. Can you touch the shadow? Can you touch the shadow? No. You can see the shadow, is that correct? But the shadow is not the body. So he says the law is a shadow, but Christ is the body. So don't change shadows and leave the body. He's saying focus on the body. So that means the feast is the body. The meat, the body of Christ. Hallelujah. The gospel, Jesus Christ. That, so that means it's in Christ is the message of the Passover. He is the message of the feast. He is the message of the sacrifices. He is the message. He is the message. So instead of trying to offer sin offering, understand that Christ is your sin offering. Instead of trying to offer bond offering, understand that Christ is your what? Bond offering. Praise God. Praise God. He is your first fruits. Can the man say, I want to, I want to take, uh, anyway, first fruit is actually not money anyway. But the man can say, I want to give the first salary. If you can give, giving is giving. Glory to God. There's nothing wrong with that. You can give to honor the Lord. Giving is about honor. Mm. Hallelujah. But you do not come in the New Testament and say, there is a law of first fruit. Every believer must. Mm -mm -mm. There's no, you can't do that. You cannot do that in the New Testament. That would be wrong. That will be trying to make substance out of what is a shadow. For the shadow, which was represented in agricultural crops, produce, animals that were used for offering and sacrifices, pointed to the body. Because the body had not come. So God had to give them things in their present reality that were metaphorical and shadow, pointing to the body that was coming. So when the body came, God says, take your eyes away from all the shadow and focus on the body. So Jesus, in Matthew chapter 17, was on the Mount of Transfiguration. The disciples, Peter, James, and John were there. Then you had a vision of Moses and of Elijah, is that correct? Which represented the law and the what? Prophets. A voice comes from heaven. Peter, James, and John hear it. He says, this is my beloved son, in whom I am what? Which means he is not well pleased with the law. He is not well pleased with the prophet. He's pleased with them. He's not well pleased with them. Because the fullness of God's revelation is not shown in them. What you have in the law and the prophets were portions of the truth. Outside of Christ, we tweet that a portion of the truth that if Christ is not seen, you will never understand what God is trying to say. So it says, This is my beloved son, in whom I am what? Well pleased. He now says, What? Yeah, ye him. Prophets, listen to him. Law, listen to him. The law and the prophets, shadow, Christ, substance. He is the body. The body. It's of Christ. Amen? Amen? So what was the purpose of the Lord? Number one, our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. Number two, was a shadow of things to come. Hallelujah. The substance is of Christ. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 1 tells us the same thing. Alright? Hebrews 10 verse 1 tells us the same thing. The third purpose of the Lord was this. For all men to see themselves as guilty. And to strengthen sin consciousness so that men can come to the end of themselves and see their need 
for Christ. For man in his lost state, at times, in self-righteousness, do not recognize his need for a savior. So, when you talk to a lot of unbelievers, in especially enlightened societies, they will say, what do you mean like I'm a sinner? I keep the law. I don't break any laws. Fornication, what's that? What is wrong in me loving somebody? And she loves me back. And we, you know, we have consensual sex. What? There's nothing wrong. I don't see anything wrong with it. Are you seeing that? Oh, you are stealing your 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 person. What is wrong in it? After all, they came. The white man came and kidnapped our forefathers here, and took our resources. I am just doing repatriation. Are you seeing that? So, what the Lord did was to bring man from that arrogant place of self righteousness to let him know that sin is sin. Amen. So the purpose of the law was to magnify sin, to multiply the offense to the consciousness of men. What a proper understanding of the laws of Moses should do to any man who reads it is to say, how can I keep it? I can't keep it. I will break it. Exactly. They say, I can't. Good. Grace and peace is available in who? Jesus Christ. So because Jesus is the end of the law, when men embrace Jesus, okay, and say, you did all this work because the fulfillment of the law was the works of God in Christ. So Christ fulfilled all the requirements of the law and put it to rest. So that anyone who comes by faith enters into what? Into rest. Not needing to do the works of the law. Hallelujah. So the law was given to multiply sin in our consciousness. Let us read that Romans chapter 5 and 20 and we close. Church, did you learn anything today? Ah, that yes is very, very loud though. You, you must have really learned something. Amen? So, I said the thought purpose for men to see themselves guilty and to strengthen sin consciousness so that men will see their need for a savior. Men, we need a savior. Let me tell you something. When you preach the gospel to somebody and the person doesn't seem to respond, then show him what he will need to do to be justified in God's eyes, by his efforts. Tell him, the God, according to the law of God, if you commit adultery, you are worthy of death. That is not physical death, eternal death. You're a sinner. He said, I don't commit adultery. He said, no, no, no. Not just adultery where you physically sleep with somebody. But adultery, when you even think it. Because in the eyes of God, Thinking it is the same as what? Doing it. Are you seeing that if you try to be just before God, that way you're finished? God's law says, the law of Moses says, thou shalt not murder. 
Because I've not killed anybody. He said, if you hate anyone and you wish them evil, you have slain that person or you have killed that person in the eyes of God. Hallelujah. I'm sure the sisters will know, have one or two things in experience about slaying people. You know. I was looking at one story one time. A woman was dating a man. Praise God. Was dating a man, was good. The one other lady who was her friend liked the guy. Glory to God. I was able to, you understand, do it. That she married the guy and the other lady was now, had nothing. Now, now that lady now wishes the girl to die, to be pregnant and miscarry and stuff. And yeah, God calls it mother. But the person is alive. You killed the person in your heart. So which means that to God, keeping the law of Moses is not just physical. It's also what? Inside. So that was why Jesus... He, he took the law because if we were talking about law and we're talking about things from the physical aspect, I didn't kill, I didn't say, he said, if you think it in your heart, you've done it. So he's saying with God, you can never be justified by the law. You can't because the purpose of the law was not to justify you, but to show you your true nature, that you are a sinner true and true. The law is a mirror. Hallelujah. For the sinner to see, and see himself for who he truly is. A despicable, wicked, unfortunate, dark soul that needs the light that only God can give. And he has given that light in Christ Jesus. Praise the Lord. Have you learned something today? Alright, praise God. Can we just lift up our hands and just thank God for what we have learned? Oh, say thank you, Lord Jesus, my Passover. My Passover, thank you. My Passover lamb offered for me. Hallelujah. My Passover offered for me. Just thank you, man. Just go ahead and thank you, man. Just thank you, Now, this does not mean that Oh, oh, you say Christ is my first fruit. It's my tithe. I don't have to give. Amen. If you truly ate of the Passover and the Christ lives in you, the same Christ that gave you the You have just listened to a message by Reverend Dr. Femi Olale of Oikea Christian Center. For other messages, visit our website at www.oikiacc.org. Remain blessed.